You know, I was, I was thinking over the last little bit as I was preparing for today and kind of going through my thoughts and praying through everything. We live in such strange times. And even in strange times, there are beautiful moments. Have you ever noticed in retrospect, it's it amazing how brilliant you are in retrospect, right? It's like you look back, you go, oh, now I see it. But when you're in the middle of it, it's like I am blind as a bat. I can't see a thing. When we're going through difficult places and we look back after God's carried us through those difficult places, that you see just openly how God was present all through it. You see, they're, they're, the songs that they sang, man, they were just really resonating with me. And as I, as I began today, what I'd like to do is help you understand why it's so important that we love deeply, that we grow daily, and why we live fully. Because a lot of times people believe that the only time I can live out that mission in my life is when everything's going right. But did you know that sometimes the greatest testimony you ever share is when everything's going seemingly wrong and you still love deeply. You still focus on growing daily and you still live fully. See, I remember years ago and uh, I'd been serving the Lord for quite some time. For those of you who don't know, I grew up in the church and uh, then fell away from the church for a while in my early adulthood. And then um, I came back to the Lord, thank goodness. And, and I remember one of the first crises of my life, and it was one of my children. So today, is, you know, as being a pastor kid, one of the things when, you, when you're born... All right, there is someone there from the pastoral board that sits there. When that child is born into a pastor's family and that child has to sign off on the fact that they can be a sermon fodder for the rest of their lives. So today it's Michaela's turn. And I remember, just in hindsight, retrospect, whatever you want to say it is, I remember that day that the doctors told us that Michaela had leukemia when she was three or four years old. And some of you have heard this story, and I'm not going to go deeply into it. But I remember having this moment of, wait a minute. We gave up our business. We're faithful when we couldn't even afford to be faithful because we went from making great money to going into full-time ministry and making nothing and, and we were still faithful at the level that we were before because we knew that was the right thing to do and, and we're doing all this stuff. I'm serving in the church. I, I, I'm, I'm doing everything that I know to do. And this happens. And I won't lie, there was moments that I struggled, obviously, with this. You know, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I, I remember the, the horror of some of those moments of when we went in for another transfusion. And as she's going, Michaela's going through the transfusion, the nurse looks at me and she goes, Dad, you're going to have to hold her down. And I'm like, what? And as I'm trying to hold my baby down, Michaela's saying, Daddy, don't let him hurt me. You know, that's no fun. And it scars you for the rest of your life. And even though in those moments of struggle and, and not understanding, I've discovered that God always has a plan. And in hindsight, as I said, in retrospect, I look back and I'll also never forget the day that they came in after all this time of going through treatment, going through all the stuff that they came back and said, we don't know what to tell you, but we now, she doesn't have leukemia. I said, oh, uh, no, she doesn't. All of a sudden, my faith was good. Oh, no, she does. That's right, she doesn't. <laughs> my dad in the background going, I tried to tell you, son. But she ended up, it, 
a rare blood disorder. But without going into all that, the, the point I want to make is this. is I look back and I recognize that even in that moment, God was teaching me something. Was teaching me in Tawana something as a couple. And today, that's what I want to do, is I want to jump into that just for a few moments and help you to understand what we started last week. So if you will, if you'll turn to, uh, stand to your feet very quickly, we're going to open up our Bibles into the book of Hebrews. And I'm going to take you through a little bit of New Testament, a little bit of Old Testament today. Last week, we broke down in the short time that we had because, man, the Spirit of the Lord was just so heavy and so present last week. It was beautiful. And we started talking about faith and what that looks like scripturally and how it applies into our life and sometimes how we misunderstand it. So Hebrews chapter 12, I want to look at the first three verses. And many of you know these scriptures by heart. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray. Father, for the next few moments, God, I pray that your word would find fertile soil in the hearts of your people. Lord, we recognize that there is so much to do and so little time to do it. But Father, we must not neglect growth. So Father, I pray that as this seed goes into their hearts, that God, it would find fertile soil that will be cultivated and ready for that seed. And that Lord, we pray this, that it will bring back a harvest of good in every one of our lives. So, Father, with that in mind, we ask this, that you convict each of our hearts because we know we can all be better. We all have another level to achieve. We all need to grow. And, Father, I pray that's what you'll do. We're not afraid of conviction. We want to be convicted because we want to be better. We want to be more like you. So, Father, I ask you to be with us as we laugh, be with us as we cry, be with us as we shout. And when we leave our time together today, I pray this, that we will leave changed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. You know, I was was thinking about this in preparation is this. You know, isn't it funny how some people see people who are successful in life or have gained something or or have done well in life or maybe they're somewhere where another person would like to be or are working toward and they look at them and it's like they see it as an overnight sensation and I was like wow you know what it's like they were normal one day and the next day they were successful I don't know how many successful people are in the room but how many know it usually does not work like that What people don't see is the work that it took to get to that place. You know, it's funny to me. It's like uh, I remember T.D. Jakes talking about about his history. And and one time this guy came up to him and said, well, if if I, I could be as anointed as you and I could do what you've done if God gave me the platform he gave you. And he starts laughing and he goes, but you don't know what it took for me to get to this place. And then he began to reflect back on when he hitchhiked to these little churches so he could preach the gospel in those churches because he had absolutely nothing. He had no platform. So you don't understand the price of the anointing. You don't understand the price of having the faith that you want to see in your life. You see, I grew up in an amazing family. I really did. I grew up in a family that loved God. I, I, I grew up in a family that uh, is all about ministry and serving God and, and faith. My dad was a faith walker. 
a faith talker and a faith stalker. <laughs> he was, he stalked it, he's gonna have it. But anyway, he believed so deeply and lived it out with everything inside of him. So I'll never forget when the, as we all go through this at some point in our lives, and some of you maybe perhaps you won't if the Lord if the Lord comes back soon, but you know, when we lose our parents, it's a painful, painful thing. And in my life, I didn't realize something until the day and the weeks after or following my father's passing was that he was such a man of faith that he was my faith. And I had this realization that for me to be who God called me to be, now it was my turn to be a man of faith. And I remember praying, I said, God, give me my father's faith. Lord, that's the kind of faith I want. And I'll never, ever, ever forget the way the Holy Spirit spoke into my heart that day. And he goes, are you sure that's what you want? And in my ignorance, I go, yes, Lord, that's what I want. And boy, does God take you down a path to build the faith to the level of your expectation. I mean, you know, you, so sometimes it's like, wow, how am I going to get there? That's what I want to talk about. If we're going to move mountains and live lives of faith, we've got to get from here to there. And the problem is, is we have this idea and concept that we want to be an overnight sensation in our faith. We just want to be able to confess it and see it come to pass. I mean, I love that. Have you ever been, have you ever been that place and, or you're going through some trials and somebody looks at you and says, just speak, speak it healed, speak it done, speak it up. You're going, what do you think I've been doing? I mean, I don't know about you, I've spoke some things and it didn't happen. And you know, and then you're thinking, I don't have faith. But here's what I want to teach you is that first of all, when we talk about those things, understand that God's timing is different than our timing. And God never fails. He always comes through. He will always, always show up. But sometimes it's not when you think it should be. And that's the story of my life. But he always does show up. So what I want you to see is that God requires us to build faith. To build the faith to know that he does the impossible. To build the faith that when you look at circumstances, you're not afraid anymore. You're actually encouraged. Because can I tell you something about God? I believe this with all my heart. I believe when we look at things that are bigger than us and we say, praise God, I can't wait to see how God's going to do this. Instead of going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God there's something that happens inside of us. And I believe when we look at that with expectation, everything inside of us changes and our Father is pleased. So when we look at these passages, I want to show you a few things that I think are important. Because every one of us, we talked about this last week, you are born, when you come to Jesus and you're born again, there is faith inside of you, right? We have that seed of faith inside of us. But I like it when they compare that faith to a seed. Because seeds are meant to grow. They're not meant to simply exist in that same state for the entire duration of what they were created to be. See, you're like that too. See, some of you have gotten stuck in seed form. Some of your faith is small, and, but you want it to be larger. And here's what I want to help you understand. Because a lot of times we beat ourselves up because we don't expect big enough. Or we, we have this little bit of doubt onto the side. And we're going, see, I've got doubt. That's why it's not working. And then we're trying to figure out everything we've done wrong because our prayers aren't being answered. And perhaps... That God's saying, I want you to grow. You need to be stretched. You need to be challenged. And none of us enjoy that. But the truth is, we need it. Because I don't know about you, if left to my own devices and there are no challenges in life, what are you going to do? You're going to sit and binge watch whole seasons of TV shows with no thought of going and doing what God's called you to do. I can tell you this, God didn't call you to binge watch an entire season of something. That's another pastor's story. That's another story I'll tell you about later. But anyway, I wanted to start with this. And here, here's a, a, your first key thought for the day that I want to help you understand is this. 
Your God-given potential is not hidden from you. Now, I don't say that again. Your God-given potential is not hidden from you. And I hear this all the time, is I don't know what my potential is. I don't know what is. No, here's the answer for you. But it's unrevealed without an understanding that your journey of faith is a process. There is no overnight sensation. Now, please understand that you can pray, and if God's will is to do a miracle in that moment, he will. But understand the process of your faith is a growth process. It is a place where we have to understand that becoming who you're supposed to be in Christ takes time, right? It's going to take some time. So it's not hidden, but unrevealed without an understanding that the journey of your faith is a process. So what I'm telling you, don't get stuck in the moment when you don't understand what's going on and think that this is what God has for me. See, I've met people that think my anger, my resentment, that place in my life, my hurt, my sickness, all those things, that's just my lot in life. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's a lie from the enemy. That is not your lot in life. Can we understand why people get sick? No, we don't understand why people get sick. We don't understand a lot of things that we, we look into a mirror darkly right now. We can't see things clearly, but one day we will. But the truth is, is that even in the midst of those things, we hang on and we speak life. And we realize that, you know what? I'm going to allow this to grow me because we have a choice. To either allow the situation to grow us into who we need to be and expand our faith or to simply say, you know what, I'm done. And honestly, that's the choice. Do I become stagnant or do I let God grow me into the man or woman of faith that he needs me to be for this season that this world is in? See, I sincerely believe that God is up to something big, but here's what I want you to see. In our human lives, here's how we judge things. We judge things by what we can see. If I can see improvement, if I can see miracles, if I can see the growth and success in my life, if it can be seen, then I can, then I can quantify it. But there's no way to quantify faith by nature of what it is. We talked about what it was last week, and for just for you jotting down notes, you'll find it in uh, Hebrews 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, where it defines what faith is. We're not going to dig back into that today, but I want you to understand that the real value, the real value is the potential in you that's waiting to be released. See, so many times we say, I just have a little faith. I'm like those disciples in the boat that the storm comes and the, the wind's raging and Jesus is asleep and down there and they're scared for their lives. And you remember the, the story I talked about just a little bit last week is, is all of a sudden they, they wake Jesus up and say, don't you even care if we die? And remember what Jesus said after he went up and did what Jesus does? Like, I mean, seriously, Jesus is in the boat with you. I think you're, you're going to be okay, Right? All right, well, here's what happens. He looks at me and he goes, why do you have such little faith? How many times in your life and in your situation, perhaps the thing that you're going through right now, that you ever feel that thought of, why do I have such little faith? See, what I want you to see is because people get stuck in that place and they're judging it by what they can see, but the real value is the potential in that seed. You were never meant to stay at the place where you are. You're meant to grow. You are meant to do amazing things. And that process with which you're in is this. Let me use an acorn, for example. Since we're three oaks, we'll use an acorn. An acorn can never become what its full potential is if you pick up that acorn off the ground and put it in your pocket. Do you know, when we first bought this property as a church, and came out here, I remember I was, I, you know, I was picking up acorns. I was like going, yes, acorns, man. This, it just speaks of our church. And one day, I, and I'd kept, I kept them in my car because of my praying. And if you're like me, uh, you know, I'm, half the time I'm praying in my car, people say, Pastor, I saw you today in your truck and you're driving down the road and I was just wave and you never even saw me. I said, because I was probably in a conversation with the Holy Spirit at the moment, you know. I get lost in that. And I kept these three acorns 
on my dash. And I would pray for the church. I'd pray for certain things. I'd pray over vision. I'd pray over these things. And one day the Lord spoke to me and said, you've robbed those acorns of their potential. And I'm like, what? It's their acorn. There are thousands of them. And he made me realize that this, he said, the acorn can never become the oak tree that it was meant to be as long as it's on your dashboard or in your pocket. The acorn has to be buried so that the pressure of that, the pressure of all those things and all the, and I won't go into all the the details, but to understand it takes pressure to crack the shell around the acorn because the acorn itself We look at that, we think that that's the whole seed. No, the seed is inside the acorn. And that shell has to be broken off. Sometimes the situations we go through are the very things that are breaking the shell off of us so that we can grow in our faith, so that we can expect bigger things. I fully believe that sometimes the situations we're in, although they're not always God-caused, they are a choice that we get to make. Say, God, you know what? If it's only break it off of me because I want to grow through this. And let me tell you something. That's a big statement when you're going through something and you decide and make a choice inside that circumstance that I am going to do because Jesus said to do it this way. I'm going to endure I love this. Look at that scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. We're talking about faith. He's the perfecter. And I love this part. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I want you to think about that for a moment. The joy that was set before him. Now, what was that joy? What was the joy set before Jesus that was so much joyfulness or worth the fact of knowing what he was about to have to endure? The scorn, the pain, death. I mean, I just want you to think about that just for a moment. I can guarantee that most of us in this room, the issues and trials of life that we go through are not going to involve all of those at the same time, and probably not nearly at the level (laughs) at which he experienced them. But yet, we're told in Scripture that says, for the joy marked before him, set before him, what was that joy? Here's what I believe. That joy was our salvation, the fact that he knew, the price that he was about to pay, was going to set us free. I sincerely believe that as he carried that cross, as he walked through that, I believe he's going, you know what, this is tough, but I know, God, Clay's a stubborn one, but he needs this. I'm gonna have to go a little further for Clay because he's, he's, he's a little dumb, so I gotta work a little hard, you know. All this stuff, he did it for me. I look at that and I go, oh, he endured the cross. The joy was the salvation of his people and knowing that one day we're all gonna be together and we'll rule and reign with Christ and we'll all be joyful. We'll, there'll be no more tears, nothing to dim the eye. God says that's the joy. That's powerful. I love that. But we look at that and said it was for that joy he endured the cross. So let's scale this because you're not the Savior, I don't think. Nope, none of you are. You're not the Savior, Jesus is. So let's scale this to our lives. When you're going through difficult places and things you don't understand and things you're struggling with, what should be your response when you know that there's difficult days ahead? I remember what is the joy that lies before me? What is the joy at the end of this? If you're fighting illness in your life and you've had a bad report and the doctors are saying, there's nothing else we can do for you. Number one, we know that God can because God is a healer still to this day. But even if God doesn't heal that way, what is the joy set before us? If we know Jesus, heaven, I don't want to say heaven, that's not some weird idea out there, that's the reality of the believer, 
So when we say, okay, this is the joy, if I look to the joy that's set before me, I know I must endure this because somewhere in this enduring is going to be the testimony that shows somebody that I love that Jesus did not fail me, that Jesus will not fail me, that I'm going to succeed, I'm going to win this because I can't lose because I belong to Jesus. I think that's the thing we have to really understand. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Let me, let me go to the second key thought. Second key thought is this, and it's, it's very simple, and we reach down to this place that says this, to move mountains, you must not abandon what you know to do just because you get discouraged in the current situation, season. Let me read it again. To move mountains, you must not abandon what you know to do just because you get discouraged in the current season. Sometimes we're just pitiful, aren't we? Come on, turn to your neighbor and tell him, say, he knew you were coming today. (laughs) Sometimes we get discouraged in situations and we look at it and we just abandon what we know to do. Here's what I want to challenge you. When days are difficult, keep doing what's right. Sometimes people say, Pastor, what am I supposed to do in this situation? Do the next right thing. You continue to do what God called you to do even when you don't understand what's going on. And you can't give up just because you get discouraged. You guys, if everybody quits when they get discouraged, the work of the kingdom would cease. What I'm trying to tell you, as someone who's been in ministry and done this for a long time, if me and Tawana gave up every time we were discouraged by something somebody said or somebody did or what somebody did or what we said or what we did or whatever a situation was, we would have stopped a long time ago. But we were taught that you don't give up when you get discouraged. You just understand that's part of the growing to get you to where you need to be. That's part of the breaking of the shell. We just don't quit when we get discouraged. No, we must not abandon what we know to do. Let me give you an example. How many understand that our world is completely chaotic right now? Anybody anybody notice that? Okay. How many realize that our nation has gotten further away from God than we've ever seen it in any of our lifetimes? And some of your lifetimes are pretty long. And you've seen a lot. I'm not looking to point at a certain person. But here's what I want you to realize in this is, yeah, you know what? Our world is slipping away. But here's what we need to know as the church, because the church says, I've heard all the things. It's like, well, the church has failed. The church has failed. Okay, I get it. We missed the mark. Overall, when we look at things, we let things slide that we should never have let slide. But where does it stop? Where do we stop and say, okay, you know what? What did we stop doing that we should be doing? And people say, oh, let's go. Let's go, go. He's going to go deep. He's going to go deep. No, I'm going to tell you right now, really quickly, and it's not deep. One of the core things that the church stopped doing, and when I talk about the church, I'm talking about us. I'm not talking about a corporate body in particular. I'm talking about first individually. I talk to people almost on a weekly basis that come to me in the middle of a crisis or what, and I ask them this, how are you praying about this? Tell me how you're praying. And they go, I don't know what you mean. Why? Because we get discouraged and we quit doing what we know. We abandon what we know to do. We don't pray. We don't pray. You know, and can I just can I just speak to you like an old school just a little bit? Is that that's all the old school people? Oh, go ahead, breeder. There's other people going, please don't, don't go there. But I remember prayer meetings. And when I say prayer meetings, I remember prayer meetings. You know, now it's like you say, we're going to have a prayer meeting. You go, okay, who's doing the devotion? Who's we got to have music. we got to have this stuff. Dude, I remember having prayer meetings where you walked in. There was nobody anywhere. Everybody was all in the house. They were all praying in one mind, one accord. You'd walk in. It was like 
wow. There was nothing going on to try to prove that prayer, no, no, it wasn't a certain, it was prayer. I remember they'd say, well, we'll get into the throne room. We're going to press through to the throne room. That's some old-timey speak right there. You know, I'm going to tell you, if you can live in this world and see your sons and daughters that are facing the things right now that they're facing, and you could say, I don't think I need to pray through to the throne room. I don't, I don't, need to, I don't even know what that means, but all I know is I'm telling you right now, if you can see the crisis that your kids are facing right now and you're not willing to pray, I question the validity of your salvation. Right? Simply because our world is upside down. And we abandon the places and the things that we know to do so many times because it's difficult. But let me share one more scripture with you today. And it's found in Daniel chapter 6. Daniel's a fascinating, fascinating character in so, so many ways. Not only does he speak so powerfully into our now moments, he prophetically speaks into our now moments. Because like on Wednesday nights when we're speaking through the book of Revelation and we're talking about the end times, you know, you can't go very far without going back to what Daniel said as well. Such a powerful book. But I, I like what it says here in verse, uh, chapter 6. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, let me stop there, keep the scripture on the wall. At that point, let me just give you some background is the people that were jealous of Daniel. Now remember, Daniel had been taken captive. Remember the Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego, all that, you remember that story? That's when they were all taken into captivity in that era, in that time. And Daniel was doing well. God was using him, blessing him in the midst of his circumstance. That's a good thing for somebody to get a hold of right now. In the midst of his captivity, in the midst of what, he, what most people would say, my life is over, God was increasing the level of Daniel's influence. But there were enemies in the midst. So what they decided to do was to kind of trick the king into decreeing this thing that says if anyone prays to thrown into the lion's den. Now, I want you to understand for a moment now, Daniel is facing a crisis moment. He's literally facing life and death. And, and I love what he says here. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room. I love that upper room. Something about an upper room, isn't it? Got home to his up, upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God this, if you're in your Bible right now, you need to circle this last phrase. Just as he had done before. Just as he had done before. I'm trying to tell you in the middle of a moment when he knew that if he prays this, it's going to cost him his life. He continued what he knew to be right even matter, it didn't matter what the sacrifice was. It didn't matter what they said because he knew who his help was. He knew who his Lord was. And it wasn't the king. It wasn't, it wasn't those guys. It wasn't the government. It wasn't any of those things. No, it was God Almighty. And he said, I know that God's called me to do this and I'm gonna do it irregardless of what they say or whatever decree has been passed. Ooh, boy, that could preach about some current situations. Who's your God? Just as he had done before. What does that speak of? Enduring. And if you don't know the rest of the story, he endured. The king was not happy because I think he realized he was kind of messed over in this deal. And he thought a lot of Daniel, but he had to follow the decree. He throws him in the Daniel. He throws Daniel into the lion's den and says, I hope that your God delivers you. And they roll it up. And I just wonder, I just want you to think for just a minute. If I were Daniel, I would be speaking with faith, with hopeful faith. Maybe I call it begging faith. They come to get me. All right? I'm waiting. God's going to get me out. I'm not worried. God's got this. 
I prayed. I did what I was supposed to do. God's got this. God's got this. God's got this. They're getting closer and closer. You go, God, God, God's got this. God's got this. Now they're going in here. You can see the lions. God, do you got this? Obviously, Daniel didn't have this problem, but I'm saying I might. I was like, God, you got, now I want you to just think for a moment that Daniel now is thrown into the lion's den and not only just get thrown in, then they seal it. See, sometimes in your life, there are moments when the circumstance that you're in feels like a death sentence and it's sealed and you're surrounded by lions. But it's in that moment that the faith inside of you rises up and we say, you know what? No matter what comes next, I will go knowing that I never abandoned what I know to do. And he did just as he had done before. And God delivered Daniel. Just like I believe God will deliver you. See, that's the faith that God wants to grow inside of us so that we'll understand that there are things that we need to take care of and stay consistent in. And in a moment, this is so important, in a moment that Daniel had zero control, because I know I'm looking across the room, there's some control freaks out here that I got to know, I know God's going to work, but he needs to work my way. You'd never say that out loud, but that's how it works for you, you know? But in a moment that Daniel had zero control of what happened in his life, that's when God showed up and delivered him. And because he was faithful through that, I just wonder, if he had never, if that decree had come down and he had never did the prayer, he had never continued in what he was doing, I wonder what his story would have ended up like. You know, I mean, thank God that we don't know and that we don't have to know because he didn't. But I mean, just think for a moment. And here's why I say that. Because I don't want you to give up and abandon when things are difficult. You know, the truth is, is that if, if we had abandoned when things got difficult, just getting to this place, we would probably be still meeting in a school, but no, we probably wouldn't be in a school because if you remember, if you don't, remember in 2019, when we finally, finally were allowed to come into this church and have church, you know, we had a few prayer meetings. You remember that? I had codes knocking on my door the next day. But, you know, we finally were able to get into this building and have church, right? And then we realized we had just been in that school. We had no idea that just a few months later, They'd be closing the schools down and we would have had nowhere, period. See, God always has a plan. And when we're looking at it, we see the struggle and we see the difficulty. But God's saying, you need to trust me because, Daniel, I know, I know where I'm placing you. I am allowing them because you're my child. I, I hadn't caused this, but I will show up and intervene in your situation, but I'm going to use it because my plan is greater than what you can see. Because, Daniel, don't judge your situation by what you can see. Judge your situation by the potential. And what God did in that moment was take that seed of faithfulness, right, and explode that potential into the place where Daniel impacted nations, And what if your situation that you seem impossible is the seed that God has inside of you to see you impact a nation? You don't know. And you know what? You won't know unless you endure. And I'll tell you something, and people ask me all the time, Pastor, you know, I heard somebody say the other day, said, well, you know what? Church isn't that important. You know, we serve God, and, and you know what? He was telling his son, he said, <laughs> I told my son the other day, he kept bugging me about coming to church. And I just told him, Pastor, that, you know, hey, when I wake up in the morning, I walk outside, Jesus is over our house. I'm sure he didn't say it with that flavor, but that's how I hear it. And I'm going, you're just dumb. Because you don't understand. 
Do you know the value, one of the values of gathering together with like-minded believers is that when you're going through the storm of life, you've got people that believe like you believe and that speak like you speak and that will pray like you want them to pray and will stand beside you in the difficult moments. But if you don't endure, then your testimony will never be heard. So whatever you're going through today, endure. And know that, you know what, there's joy. There's still joy, even inside the worst moments of your life. Even in the difficulties of loss, there's joy. I was just speaking with one of our parking guys. And this morning, the call he got right before he was parking, all of you guys, you know, and I'm going to tell you something, you know, one of the things you never know what somebody's going through. You know, and some of these lovely people that don't like to park where somebody asks them to park, you know. I'll park where I want to. Praise the Lord. Then you come in here and say, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Y'all didn't think I knew that, did you? <laughs> I get a report every week. <laughs> but one of the guys that are parking cars got a call that his brother just passed away suddenly. And you know what he did? He parked cars. He served the Lord. Even in the midst of hurt and loss. And he found joy. You know what he told me? He goes, you know, I know where he's at. I have no doubt I know where my brother is. So I'm just telling you, in those moments of loss, of challenge, there's joy to be found. And tonight, or this morning, remember this, that we need to take on the spirit, a spirit of Daniel. We need to look at what Hebrews says about Jesus and says he's the perfecter of faith. He gave us the example of what it looks like to win. And it was this, that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What about you? I know some of the situations in your life aren't nearly as heavy as some of the things we've talked about. But sometimes they feel heavy to you, don't they? What I can tell you is this. God has a plan. And he will never, ever fail you. Never. I love what Galatians 6, 9. I have to share one more scripture with you. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says, And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, in due season. In his time. We shall reap if we do not lose heart. In other words, keep believing. You said, but he hadn't answered my prayer yet. Keep believing. Everybody says I'm crazy. Keep believing. I'm telling you, I believe there's so much power in that. Well, pastor, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Keep believing. And if that door shuts, you keep believing. Why? Because that just means there's another one right ahead of you. And you're going to get there. You're going to get there. God's got a plan. But you've got to endure. And don't grow weary in doing good. Because remember, if you persevere, if you endure, God's going to bring it to the exact place that he promised you. Can I tell you this? At 54, 53, excuse me. Got to hang on to every month you can. At 53 years old, I can tell you this, that God's not done with me yet. Do you know, just in this season that we're in, God started taking me down a new pathway. Challenging me in ways that I've never even thought of. And at first, I was like, you know what? I don't want to do this. I'm, I got a great church, and I'm not going anywhere. No, it's not that kind of pathway. You couldn't get rid of me if you wanted to. But anyway, well, anyway, we won't go there. Anyhow, as I'm walking down that path, I, I just realized, you know, it's like there's challenges because God's not finished growing me. He's not finished growing you. So you stay fast to what God's called you to and watch what he will do. The harvest is coming in what he called you to do. And I'm just going to give you this one phrase that I love. 
It's not original. I don't even know who said it. I would love to take credit for it, but it's so good. And it says, the greatest fight you'll fight is the fight to keep fighting. It's deep. I will say it again for those who just couldn't get it. The greatest fight you'll fight is the fight to keep fighting. I'm telling you, because the world says, stop, give up. No, 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 no. God didn't call, he didn't create us to be quitters. You know, there are situations that arise in my life, and and this will be the last little illustration I'll use. There are situations that arise in my life all the time, and, you know, in the moments that are difficult, you're going, you know what, I'm done with this. Have you ever had that person in your life that keeps coming to you, and they have the same issue every time, and you say, here's what you need to do? And then they come to you again and say, Pastor, I got this. I'm sorry. I'm not talking about any, none. You guys are all clear. It's not any of you. (laughs) And I look, did you do what I told you to do last time? Well, no, it's hard. Okay. And you're looking at, you know, and over and over, you're like going, yeah, I'm done. And sometimes just as a human being, you're going, if they want to be stupid, just let them be stupid. God will let stupid people into heaven too. You know what, don't, don't freeze that clip for YouTube, please. That's, that's, that's how bad things happen, I know better. But the truth is that sometimes you, we just, oh, I'm done. No, endure. Because you don't know that the next conversation is the conversation that brings freedom. We don't stop, we don't give up. And we stand upon what God says here. Where the book of Micah says, even in the midst of my trouble, Micah's going through a horrible place. It was a bad time in the nation. Nothing was good. And he says, but for me, I am filled with power. I am filled with the Spirit of God. He's basically saying, I've got the faith to believe that my entire nation's going to be changed. And here's how I'll stop today, is we need a body of believers that will take on a Micah mentality and say, as bad as everything is, my God is able to change and use it for His glory somehow, some way. But He needs you to endure. Even when things seem out of control, even when you don't have control, God says, don't abandon what you know to do. Don't abandon the principles that He's led you to because that's what will lead you to the next level and set you free. Would you bow your head and close your eyes all across the room today? Father, today as we begin to wrap up our time together, God, I pray that you'd begin to work on each of our hearts. We live in a season where we need big faith. We live in a season where we need to believe for greater. And Father, I pray this, that you'd begin to convict us of places where we're believing too small, where we've abandoned the things that we know we need to do. And Father, I pray that you would open up those doors. God, I ask this, that you would open up windows of heaven. And Lord, Pour your spirit out upon your people. And have us, God, help us be positioned to receive it. Thank you for your word. It never fails us. Thank you that you brought us to a place where we believe the word is your truth. Help us to follow it. Help us to endure. Now, if every head bowed and every eye still closed in the house, you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need to endure like Daniel. I need to change some things because I'm going through some stuff. There's some challenges in my life, and I gotta be honest, (laughs) I've been losing heart. Pastor, I need you to be praying for me this week. If that's you, I want you to slip your hand up right where you are very quickly and just keep holding it up so I can see I'm a visual prayer person. 
Yep. Just keep them up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. 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 I see those hands. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. You could place them back down. And if you're raising your hand online, just let us know. Pop me a message down there in the comments. Say, Pastor, pray for me. We're going to pray for you too. Just because you're not here doesn't mean that God doesn't want to do something in your life right now. Now, once again, with every head still bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask a question. This is personal business. You're here today, and you know you're not right with God. If there's ever been a time on God's green earth that you need to make sure that you're right with God, it's today. You said, Pastor, I know there's sin in my life. I need Jesus. I've tried everything else and it doesn't work. I need Jesus. Maybe you say, Pastor, I used to serve him a long time ago, but I lost my way. I need Jesus. I'm not going to embarrass you today, but if that's you, I want you to slip your hand up and say, Pastor, remember me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? I don't want to miss a single hand in the room. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Amen. You can place your hands back down. I'm going to ask everyone in this room to stand to your feet. I'm going to ask our altar workers and pastors that are available if they can join me in the front very quickly. And we're going to pray and we're going to believe. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm going to need prayer today. I need somebody to lay hands on me. I'm, I'm fighting some things and I need to go a little deeper on this. That's what we're here for. But before we do that, you raise your hand and said, I need Jesus. That's the greatest miracle that ever happens. And I want to say thank you for sharing that with us. If that's you online and you made that decision too, please send us a direct message. Send us an email. Let us know because we want to help you too. But right now, you raise your hand and we're going to say a prayer together all across this room as a family. But let me just say a couple things. When you say this prayer, understand the prayer itself is not what saves you. It's the choice that you're making. The prayer is the acknowledgement that God is changing your heart. Right? That's where conversion is. It's in your heart. And when you say this prayer, I want to challenge you that you need to tell somebody about the decision that you're making. You're not called or meant to walk alone. We need each other. And in this world, more than ever. And the second thing is this. Let us help you. We'd love to come alongside you and answer questions and help you grow. That's part of our mission statement is to help you grow daily. So we're going to say this prayer together as a family. Just bow your heads and say it with me. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and make me new. I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior right now. I repent of my sin and I turn away from my past. Today I am forgiven and I'm a new creation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Can you give the Lord some praise across the house today?